everyone. You're watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm a certified, uh, ISAF certified EFT supervisor and therapist as well. And I recently published an EFT book on relentless empathy. Hopefully you guys will find that on Amazon. And I'm super excited to welcome back to our show. We have our EFT trainer who is in the UK, and her name is Helena Iwabike. And she is one of the founders of the British Center for EFT. And we did a previous episode with Helena discussing seating attachment. So make sure that you go back and watch that video if you haven't caught it already. And today we are actually going to be talking about EFIT, so using EFT. Um, the model and methods adapted for individual issues and particularly how to use EFT to help clients that are getting over the loss of a relationship or a breakup. Mm -hmm. And so we're super excited, Helena, to have you back on our show. Thank you again so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me back. <laughs> it's an honor to be invited back. And I love your accent. You could recite the alphabet and I would be enamored. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have you recite the EFT steps and stages. We'll be like, oh, that sounds so interesting. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about EFIT before we jump into the particulars about how we can use this to help clients who are going through a breakup. Mm. But so for somebody who you know, maybe not be aware of how they're different or the fact that they're really the same, but it just kind of adapted a little bit differently. Can you kind of give maybe an overview as to EFIT and how it's the same and, and different? Yeah, I mean, it's EFIT is the same in the sense as EFT because it's all about creating corrective emotional experiences, mm -hmm. really helping people shift their emotional experience. And with couples, for instance, and families, you've got the attachment figures in the room. And we're just really trying to help them open up, share their emotional experience, have it be heard, have it be received. And that creates that corrective emotional experience that helps shift things. With individuals, you don't have the key, the attachment figures or the others in the room, but you have them in the room as imagined others. Because, of course, we take the people that are dear to us or the people that have an impact on our lives with us everywhere we go. They reside inside us. And so with emotionally, with EFIT, we're using the same skills, we're using the same interventions, we're using the same, um, the tango, but it's slightly... It's still EFT after all. Yeah, it's EFT. Uh, it's still it's still EFT in the sense that you're still trying to help people have these corrective emotional experiences. I suppose specifically where it really changes is in tango move three, mm -hmm. right? Where you would have with a couple or a family, you have those people in the room, you can help them turn and engage with each other. In EFIT, it's more the imagined encounter with maybe, you know, an, an, an attachment figure, an important attachment figure, somebody that's injured them, they don't have to be important. Um, it could be you, more, most importantly, the encounter with you, the therapist, that that's an experience that in itself is also a corrective experience because you're accompanying them in the emotional experience. You're helping them access it, expand it, share it with you, really encounter themselves in a different way by virtue of having you be with them. And of course, we also have encounters with parts of self, with the adult self to the child self. Um, but because EFT is grounded in an attachment theory, is the interpersonal encounters that are really meaningful, helping people be able to share and say what they're unable to say to the other person. That in itself is corrective, whether the person is in the room or not. Yeah, yeah. So I love what you're saying. And a lot of this is just straight out of attachment science about mm -hmm. how we we have these internal working models is what we say, like mm. replica of our mm. attachment figures. And mm -hmm. we carry them in our hearts, we carry them in our minds. You know, mm. I've had frontline workers who have told me, you know, when they, you know, maybe they're in the fire department or the police department, when they get a really bad call, I ask mm -hmm. them, how do you help yourself calm down, come to a safe place? One of them mm -hmm. said, 
I think of my wife and my baby, and that helps me calm and soothe and come back to myself after a really big call. So that's just wow. an example of how they're kind of replicated. That's a beautiful example of what we're talking about, right? That yeah. just because the person isn't there doesn't mean you don't carry them in your heart, right? They're there. Right. Yeah. Right. And that we can access the emotional memory of, you know, that positive loving relationship with them to help us soothe. Mm -hmm. And here's where it can get sticky is, you know, mm -hmm. and you mentioned this is in EFIT. So it's EFT for individuals. So it's still EFT, but it's just adapted, obviously, because you only have one half in the room. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I find individual work can be really frustrating because if they are coming in for something relational and you can't get the other partner in, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of come up against a wall eventually, which can be really hard if somebody wants to stay in the relationship, but their partner refuses to mm -hmm. do the work. Mm -hmm. So that can be really hard, but also, you know, so that kind of is a good leeway into our subject mm -hmm. today is when a client is going through the loss of an attachment relationship, like, mm -hmm. you know, let's say that they're going through a breakup and it will never be possible to have the other partner in the session. Mm. And as we know that there's really not anything that EFT cannot help anybody with. Mm. Um, and so, you know, when, when we have clients that come to us that, you know, maybe they've chosen to end their relationship or somebody else has chosen, you know, mm -hmm. it's still very important to help these clients do the emotional work so that they can heal in a mm. healthy way and not carry that baggage on to other relationships. Mm. So as you were talking about, you know, we might set up encounters with attachment figures that aren't theirs, like uh, a replication mm. that imagined. Um, I can imagine that could be very helpful, you know, when they're going back and trying to maybe um, work towards the things that they wish they could have said it, in the close of the relationship, you know, having them do an encounter with the imagined other partner could be very mm -hmm. healing. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, right, you know, the first thing is, if you like, move one mm -hmm. in EFIT, right? Whether it's EFIT or EFCT, emotionally focused couple therapy, is help them just really fully meet them where they are really help them fully arrive at where they are and you know that when people have lot when people relationships end like that there can be a lot of anger there can be shame there can be unbearable grief right yes loss the yes. trauma of the losing someone so important and mm -hmm. us being able to fully meet them there help them fully arrive at that emotion assemble help them assemble their affect around it. You know, how are they getting stuck? Yeah. How are they getting yeah. stuck? Are they, are they becoming avoidant about, you know, what mm -hmm. strategy are they using to deal with this? Are they yeah. getting stuck in avoidance? You know, I don't need him or I don't need her anyway. Yeah. Are they getting completely anxious and ruminating and beating up on themselves and shaming themselves? help them really get in touch with what they're feeling, how they're dealing with it. Yeah, which yeah. is so important as you're saying this, I'm thinking of step two of stage one, which would mm -hmm. be their cycle. And so mm -hmm. kind of like mapping out their cycle, youth and you know, obviously the tango is a part of this is helping them start to organize and make sense of mm -hmm. the end of the relationship their emotional reactions and their moves in that place. When this grief comes up or when this anger comes up, mm. what do you do, right? Yes. And sometimes this could be, I reach out and I, you know, maybe maybe I'll go and I'll get drinks with the girls or, or my guy friends. And then I start drunk texting my ex spouse, yes. my ex-partner. Stalking them or, on Facebook. Yes, just yes. helping them really own what they're doing with their emotions, right? Help them get in touch with it. And, you know, people are not necessarily going to go there by themselves. Mm -hmm. We develop these strategies for good reasons, right? To keep mm -hmm. at our emotions at a safe distance, whether you're hypo mm -hmm. or whether you're um, um, hyper, hyper aroused. So it's still under or really over, over, like, 
yeah. you're still not there where the experience is yeah. so just really helping them go to that experience and look at how they bring it into conscious awareness how they're actually dealing with that and do they have anyone safe like any other safe attachment figures in the moments when their pain is at the highest and it's obviously it's in between session they can't reach to you all the time is there somebody safe that they can talk to and share their grief who will mm. listen who might comfort them you know mm. do they or do they have safe attachment figures that they don't turn to and so that might be curious what role might that have played in the relationship of maybe turning away from an attachment figure or maybe there's not anyone safe and so again they that leaves them feeling very alone and can compound the grief and the aloneness that they feel you know, or kind the of anger right like yeah. if the anger is around like the whole the you know i the beauty of the tango is that first move is meet people where they are with what's most mm -hmm. alive if it's the anger if it's the protest anger right like help people express it mm -hmm. and that's the interpersonal encounter they can have an encounter what how could you leave me how could you do that why did mm -hmm. like really just have them express where they are yeah and i think organizing the power of move one is mm -hmm just so important no matter what client you're seeing is it really helps you help them make sense out of what's happening out of what they're feeling out of what's going on in the relationship and organizing it can help them feel like oh okay now i have some semblance and and it can actually have a calming effect even if we are allowed we're bringing them into that emotion and working with that live emotion it still can help them feel a little more grounded yeah, we're helping them tolerate that emotion that they're having, right? And yeah. and being with them there, not tolerating it with them. Because often yeah. when you're going through a loss like that, you kind of like, it's almost like you run out of the opportunity to be able to talk about it. People can only hear so much, right? Mm -hmm. But we are actually helping them tolerate and express and be with, be yeah. with the pain, be with the agony, be with all those emotions around it and yeah. then enable them to say what was not said what they need to say mm -hmm. to that person and this imagine right response here, hmm? yeah this right here brings up kind of a lot so a a really important thing which i've told a lot of my supervisees is it feels like eft is a lot like emotionally exposure therapy and the stimulus that we're exposing our client to is the act of feeling their emotions and yes. helping them get that tolerance and not run away from the emotions. And mm -hmm. it's so, so important to help clients do that because that's what will help them build healthier coping strategies is when they can mm -hmm. tolerate that emotion and have some more agency and choice over how they express it. But something that, I, that I've heard clients say is, you know, kind of what's the difference between having them feel that emotion and kind of getting stuck there stewing in it. They kind of think, what's the point of sitting in that emotion when it's so painful? I'm just alone there. Why not just avoid it and, you know, not think about it or keep myself busy? What, what would you say in that place? Well, I would say, you know, like you cannot leave the station until you arrive at the station, right? Like you have to fully arrive at what you're feeling. And often what happens is when we are not, well, this is a beauty of attachment theory, like when we're not accompanied in a very difficult experience, we don't fully get there, right? That's why those attachment strategies, bless them, are deployed, right? Because mm -hmm. it's so unbearable. You do something that actually means you don't fully arrive at it. You don't fully get there. And the only way really, and I, I relate to this from my own experience of, you know, for instance, going through a divorce, right? That you get mm -hmm. stuck at one level. You kind of get stuck at the anger. You get stuck mm -hmm. at the shame. And it's hard to get to the core the core experience, the core shame, the core fear, right? I'm not lovable. No one will ever love me again. I'm unworthy. I'm a failure. Like really help someone arrive at the core of it. Because, you know, move two of the tango is you assemble the affect. What people say to themselves, the meaning they make out of this loss, 
right? What they do with it. But also what we really are also trying to help people do is really stay where they are so that it deepens. So we get to what is the core of it. What's yeah. at the heart of it, right? And, I, and, and what I would be saying is you can't get past it until you get into it. Right, that's so true. Allowing themselves to deeply feel it you know, often when they avoid it, it's still, because we know emotions live in the body and, and mm. pain needs to be felt and we mm. don't feel it, it comes out in some other way. You know, I've had a lot of clients who come in and they're like, I tried to do this on my own. I would just push it down because I had to go to work or I had to do this and I wouldn't mm. let myself cry. And then mm. suddenly, you know, I'm at the grocery store and somebody just pushed into me and I lost it and I screamed and yelled at them or, you know, they're saying like, mm. they just, they lose it in these other ways because again, it's all that emotion that they've not dealt with. Mm. And, you know, there's also information contained in emotion that we don't have access to from just the logic part of our brain. So Absolutely. I know people try to kind of keep that distance, but there's so much information contained there that most of the time, even my clients, once we get there, they're like, oh, you know, more information becomes available that's mm. only available in the emotional space. And that's that really processing of the experience, right? Mm -hmm. That is what, you know, that's what it does then. You know, it's almost like it's organized, it's made sense of, it's shaped in a different way. Yeah. And mm. I always tell my clients, if you don't deal with the emotion, it will deal with you. And if you <laughs> try okay. to move on, yeah, if you try to move on too fast, or you haven't dealt with the anger, it comes up in new relationships. And, you know, I think, you know, when there's statistics about remarriage and stuff, a lot of it is because I think people haven't really done the work getting out of a relationship and figuring out their pattern and really mm. taking time to heal and mm. moving on can be such a temptation, like a band-aid to help get over the pain of the loss of another, but they end mm. up bringing the same emotional baggage mm. or the same, their own same process into that and they could be repeating a pattern that needs to be broken that may not be healthy and not even knowing it without doing that work. So, and it's that's so where, yeah, and that's where it's helpful, isn't it? Because then when you really help people look at how they deal with their own emotions, how they own it, that strategy then comes into conscious awareness. And there is an opportunity, if you like to make a different choice, to update that strategy. Yeah. Right. And, and sometimes those strategies aren't just, you know, maybe I would just lose my cool lot in the relationship. I've had a lot of clients who would avoid and they would kind of, one of the ways they would avoid is going into people pleaser mode and they would end up, this idea of not being lovable or not being good enough went so much deeper than just the breakup. And that became mm -hmm. a part of their cycle in the relationship is that they would end up putting up with things that weren't healthy, not advocating for themselves or advocating mm. for safety and ending up getting really hurt in the relationship and having this be reoccurring not only in romantic relationships but friendships where they would just have people kind of dump on them and mm. because they never felt like they had the voice like I could speak up and say this really hurts me or I'm not okay with that and really believe that people would love them enough to listen and respect them in that place right yeah so you're helping them actually look at what they're doing that hasn't been working for them mm -hmm. yeah I, I really kind of like going through the anatomy of relationships and tracking their cycle within relationships and in between relationships mm -hmm. and you know really understanding how did you how do you go about meeting your partners you know sometimes I've had people who met a lot of partners in you know bars or nightclubs so I'm in Vegas so <laughs> it's quite mm -hmm. you know normal and so kind of discussing you know mm -hmm. the pros and cons of those environments <laughs> you mm -hmm. know and how that may lead to you know meeting somebody under the condition where there's alcohol involved and then mm -hmm. kind of assuming that things might be different outside of that environment and mm -hmm. you know a lot of addiction here but really you know part of that grief, you know, I, I really love that power of move one of the tango is just helping them organize, you know, a helping them organize the immediate pain mm -hmm. that they're in and how they're coping with it, how they might get stuck, helping them organize yeah. and feel those emotions. Um, and also, as that immediate pain starts to lift, 
throughout our work, helping kind of dig through the anatomy of the relationship and, and going through their mm. cycle with how they dealt with emotions in the relationship mm. um, and in between relationships. So helping them mm. like, oh, here's this common pattern because maybe yeah. I feel like I've chosen the same person over and over, even though I thought I was choosing different, but they ended mm -hmm. up being very similar and mm -hmm. finding out that didn't work. So really learning how people deal with emotions, I think comes, just brings so much information, right? If, if they go into some avoidance mode or some, you know, an anxious mode, the behaviors that manifest out of that. You know. Yeah, and I was thinking also, you know, bringing it back to what you said, you know, you would like us to really focus in on is like, you know, in terms of dealing with, you know, a, a relationship breakups, heartbreaks, right? Um, the trap we could fall into is to want to make them feel better, right? And it's not about how you get over a broken heart. It's about how you be with a broken heart. Yeah. It's about, you know, allowing and making room, permission to actually really be with that broken heart, not get over it, you know, when just really help people be with it and see and help them on earth what it's bringing up for them. Because what often, as you know, when a break, breakup does is, you know, it kind of unearths your internal working models. Yes. Yes, very much those parts of us where we convey we turn on ourselves and say how i'm not lovable i'm no good you know how could this happen you know and those can be very painful and trigger so many coping strategies out of that place right what it is that we tell ourselves the meaning we make out of it and also what we tell ourselves about relationships and about people so it's almost like mm -hmm. it can confirm our worst fears yeah. about people can't be trusted Right. See, I should never get married because marriage sucks. Yes, yes. I always tell people it's not marriage that's broken. It's broken people entering into marriage, expecting marriage to be like this magic umbrella that suddenly, you know, covers all sins and, and we don't have to work on it or, or, you know, do anything differently. We just somehow it's like a magic button. When I selected marriage, how come everything's that glorious? Right. And so it's like what, what is being revealed or what's being brought to the surface is the beliefs and the fears we have related to how we see ourselves, how we see other people and where it really comes alive is, you know, in attachment relationships when they get broken. Because yeah. after attachment is the longing to connect and the fear of losing that connection. And when that yeah. connection is lost. Yeah that's what comes alive and then we mm -hmm. actually help people do that and 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 i really um just really see where move three comes in really powerful there like if you can really encounter your grief or your anger or your shame or your longing your longing to have the person back and be able to just in imagination at least not in reality even in imagination be able to share it directly that in itself is a corrective experience mm -hmm. right and so that's what's hard to do on your own and that's where well talking about attachment security even having the therapist be there to be able to share that with right yeah. not to be alone with that attachment struggle not to be alone with that pain that in itself is again a corrective emotional experience yeah so we could kind of process what is this like to say this out loud to share this pain with me to have mm. me witness this just to be here with you in this place mm. And I really, you know, something you said too that struck me as important was, you know, that corrective emotional experience where they could be kind of interacting with the imaginary ex-partners. You know, when I'm processing, sometimes I'll ask them, how would you imagine they might respond to this? And oftentimes yeah. they could say, you know, they might not have responded very well. And so kind of processing I find that that can be very powerful in a way that it can bring about acceptance, that it's mm -hmm. like helping them to see, you know, I've had a partner who hasn't been a part of creating safety, perhaps as much as I might have tried. And so now mm -hmm. that instead of making excuses for them, 
like I might have in the past now you know helping them really sit in that place and kind of honor their own voice and feel safe and secure to start taking risks there to say okay no that's not okay and and actually maybe this isn't so bad because maybe now I am in a safer place that I've you know don't have a partner who's like purposefully hurting me or you know whatever (laughs) you know sometimes that piece can just elicit a lot about the relationship that can help us work on again more their view of self and mm-hmm. how they've learned to cope in these places and make meaning and what would they mm-hmm. like to say if they felt more secure about who they are you mm-hmm. know based on if that really is the truth right if that really is how mm-hmm. their partner might have taken it what do you want to do on those terms what decisions right. would you make? do you yeah. feel secure enough in you to make to honor your voice which a lot of times clients mm-hmm. would say no and mm-hmm. maybe that's how I've ended up staying in relationships past their expiration or mm-hmm. I accept partners in my life that I've known from the start were unhealthy that weren't a good fit but I mm-hmm. you know maybe it was like maybe I'll be good enough if I can change them with my love or mm-hmm. you know all kinds of traps that we can work ourselves into in relationships right so you're sort of helping them see see that and mm-hmm. again become consciously aware of that yeah. and heightening that for them so that it's really like okay this is what I do because the empowering thing in all of this is helping people be aware of what they do what they tell themselves yeah. and really own it as their own experience when you can really own your own experience and say, this is what I feel, this is what I do, this is how I cope, that's what's empowering. Mm -hmm. It's not out there, it's in here, it's happening in here. Yeah, Yeah. and I find it's, especially in breakups, it's been at least the clients that I work with, and this has been near and dear to my heart because I myself Mm -hmm. have gone through divorce actually twice oh especially as a therapist there feels like even more shame because it's like hey you're a therapist yeah I I can't I'm not the the great puppet master that can control a partner either you know so Mm. you know it's it's hard but you know it really does bring up a lot of view of self a lot of shame and Mm -hmm. I find often a lot of people go to this dark place where they wonder will I ever be loved again will I be judged Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite normal to feel it's that normal way. it's normal and we can validate right where they are you ask yourself will I ever be loved again and I also hear the longing to one day feel safe enough to mm-hmm. find someone again to share my life with like we can hold and validate where they are the fear where they are and mm-hmm. still hold on to and validate and see that longing to be able to trust again, to meet someone again. Like you said, you've been through two divorces. Like the longing is there. It's still there, right? And you can hold people where they are, yes, Mm -hmm. and still hold the longing Mm -hmm. so that that doesn't become the casualty of the divorce or the loss or the the heartbreak, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's hard, you know, the biggest lesson I learned is to actually, again, notice your pattern and, you know, not wanting to, divorce is painful, even when it's right, you know, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I fight for relationships every day. And <laughs> sometimes, you know, they lose. Sometimes the clients choose to end things. And, and sometimes that is the right decision, but it's still painful regardless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just again, a lot of clients, you know, they can really relate to that sense of judgment that they're worried about. You know, I kind of feel like, you know, with my, relating my own experience and some of my clients, it's like, I wear the scarlet letter D that says divorce, yes. <laughs> you yes, know, and, yes. and nobody will love me. And, and this is again, where we, because we know that emotions live in the body and it activates our fight or flight responses. And so this can come out in very interesting ways. When mm-hmm. I worry that I won't be loved or that, you know, I'm too old, I'm not going to find a good partner, you know, what is your strategy there? If they, a lot of times, if they hyperactivate, they'll just start getting right back into dating. They'll, they'll go out with anybody. 
and again, a rebound. Up, yes. Yes. They can end up getting themselves back into trouble again because they're not really mm -hmm. ready. They're not looking for a partner out of a healthy place. So they don't have a healthy um, set of eyes or healthy emotional state to be accurately assessing the health of another partner. Mm -hmm. Or they go completely avoid it and like, I'm never going to get married again. I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life. Oh, no, you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yes so you're sort of talking about the different ways that it can play out and, and again I think that's where I love um, the model right like that whatever people do makes sense yeah whatever strategy wherever you are makes sense given the elements of emotion you're dealing with given the meaning you're making out of the situation given the strategy you're using to deal with it like wherever people are makes sense and we can hold and validate them there while still seeding the possibility of yes. something different of being yes. able to trust again mm -hmm. of learning if you like how to regulate the emotions and the anxiety in a different way um it's so hard i think as well for us as eft therapists because we have this beautiful model and we're fighting like you said we're fighting for relationships every day and yet sometimes you know, close to home, our relationships fail, right? And that's, I think, even harder as a, as a therapist, right? You're trying to save relationships and, and then you're struggling in relationships. And I think, you know, just really being able to validate whole people, how they cope, allows us to go a little bit deeper into our own experience, encounter our own experience in a different way, encounter parts of ourselves in a different way. Yeah. And I think some of the shame that I, you know, I love what you're saying. Some of the shame that I've noticed can come up for people in this way also is the shame that they feel over leaving a relationship, how, you know, making a choice to get out can maybe violate, you know, maybe their religious values or cultural values. Like we don't believe in divorce. I, you know, I feel like somebody won't see me as really, having a good relationship ethic because I chose to end it. So helping them walk through that shame and process, you know, what was happening that led them to such a, a dark mm -hmm. and painful place that this was the best option that they had and, and normalizing that. And again, helping them to make sense and be in those emotions. And mm. it is so, how we deal with emotions is just so important. Cause again, there's always a behavior attached to how we do emotions, even when we're trying not to do emotions. Mm -hmm. And the act of numbing out. And I, I tell clients like this is a lot of my clients that, especially the ladies I notice that keep picking the same partner. A lot of them do have numbing strategies. And so what happens is when they numb, they, they turn off that feeling in their gut that mm -hmm. is there for our survival. That's supposed to light up when somebody yes, not yes. healthy is there when you're dating them those alarm bells that are supposed to say, um, maybe check into this, you know, maybe this isn't so good, but they turn it down, they turn it off, they override it. And then mm -hmm. they end up ignoring things that are really important that are really hurtful or potentially really big problems. Mm -hmm. And so I found that, you know, that's really important is helping them to trust their gut to tune back into those signals yeah. and numb it out because that's their guidepost, right? When they're dating somebody, you know, if they don't want to go through this pain again, how to help them get back on the horse and make healthy decisions. And part of that again is how do I do emotions when I see someone in front of me that I'm getting a red flag? Do I allow myself to pay attention to it? Do yeah. I investigate it? Do I, do I see myself as worthy enough that if I say no, again, another one will come along the way? Or is it, oh, well, this is probably the best there is. So even though this is like really bad, I'm just gonna, everything else is good. So I'm gonna ignore it, right? And shut mm -hmm. it down, not even address it. You know, there's mm -hmm. all these ways that these cycles, the emotions play out and affect not only present coping, but again, how they move, go through the moving on process. And yes. um, so what you're describing there beautifully, Annabelle, is how, you know, you can help a person's actually begin to learn to trust their own experience right that things don't just happen to us they happen through us they happen through what we tell ourselves how we sort of 
I, people will say I saw the red flags, but I just kind of like, like you said, turned it off, right? So just really in a non-judgmental descriptive way, we hold up the mirror. Well, that's move one, back to move one again. Just hold up the mirror, help people see what, how, how they get them, how they do what they do, right? Yeah. Right, and, okay. and that is, so again, so empowering. Maybe what you do isn't really helpful, but knowing what you do, knowing, yeah. knowing, what, knowing what you do is empowering, even if what you do isn't empowering. Right, right. Because once you start to notice it and pay attention to it, then you start to have more agency over it, especially- You have flexibility, you, you yeah. have choice. And that's yeah. what that whole first move of the EFIT, the tango mm -hmm. is just bringing conscious awareness to, mm -hmm. so you, you yeah. sort of see the red flags and you say to yourself, oh, it doesn't matter, give it time. And you mm -hmm. sort of ignore what you feel. And then X, Y, Z happens, Yes, and this is where that attachment history comes in. How did you learn to ignore what you feel? Right? Mm -hmm. How did you learn to move away from this part of yourself? Mm -hmm. what, what has happened in the past or what would happen if you honored this place? If you mm -hmm. really tuned into it, really mm -hmm. spoke up about it, what is the worst thing? What is your fear, your greatest fear that could happen right in this place, right? I mean, and there's just- There you go, there you go, right? You can see it doesn't sound very different from the EFT that we've been doing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is about it's, tracking. Yes, yes, it really is the same thing. It's just instead of tracking necessarily like, you know, their cycle with another person, it can be there's how they interact with themselves and emotions and how this does play out interpersonally, not mm -hmm. only, you know, within relationships, but in between relationships, right? So right, really, so you widen the rings, the context, yes. right? So you widen yeah. it, you start with how it starts with the person and then how it plays out into, you know, it just, you kind of widen the rings in terms yes. of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And is the, this, the thing is I this found a common pattern with like yeah. friendships? Is it common among part, romantic partners, you know? Is it the same or is it different, <laughs> you know? Yes, and the thing that... Um, the, the, the thing you just said now that struck me and I think it's kind of gone out of my head but I think the thing that really comes alive for me is the at least personally in you know sort of embracing EFIT what I've found hardest isn't tracking the inner cycle or, or the between cycles because I think we're doing it with couples the whole time we're tracking what people say to themselves, the intracycle cycle. We're tracking how it plays out. We're tracking the elements of emotion, what triggers them, you know, what the meaning we make. The thing I have found hardest is move three when it comes to EFIT and basically the encounters you can shape and to remember to shape the encounters because just because no one is in the room or just you and them are in the room, that's still to process the encounter with you or the therapist because first and foremost you're the first person they're encountering that emotion with and sharing it with to still process that encounter and to still listen for the interpersonal like if someone is talking about someone and there's a protest or a complaint or something shape that encounter right. set up that imaginary encounter mm -hmm. right just because no one is in the room doesn't mean we don't keep having enactments Right, because this is still part of the process is how they do emotion and we want to help them be able to do emotion. And I've had so many EFT therapists that I supervise who are working with individuals and the individual is trying to figure out their pattern. Why do I keep finding partners like this? And they keep getting stuck. And one of the places, a common place that I find them getting stuck is around move three because they, they end up staying very cognitive and it's like, well, how do they do emotions? You know, there's information there that we're, of course, we're not getting at because we're not inviting them to feel and deeply experience their feelings. And if they want to move away, again, that's part of the process. Now we have a here and now process we can deal with around how do you feel emotions? How do you feel about feeling your emotions? I notice when this gets really tough, you kind of move away and go back into your head. Exactly the same if we encountered a block with a couple, right? And we're trying to get them to feel their emotion with their partner. It's, you know, how do we get you to feel this emotion? Because there's a lot of information that we can't get access to that's essential for healing. You know, I kind of say, 
a metaphor that I use for this, I often ask my clients, and I don't even like video games, but you know, if they've ever played a video game like Super Mario Brothers or something, you know, kind of dating myself, but it's like you have to kind of conquer a level and the next level, you don't have access to it. You don't know what's inside of it and you can't go inside of it until you conquer that first level. And so that's why I say it's so important to go to the emotion because there's information there that we cannot, it's not unlocked to us till we go to that level. So and when you go to that level, right? What really, you know, if you follow our model, right? What really creates that corrective emotional experience is being able to access it and to share it, right? Even if the other is not in the room, yeah. that's it that's the, that A-R-E. that's the yeah. goal right that's yeah. the goal yeah so so really getting a person to be able to say i'm so ashamed or i'm so angry or i can't be. really just close up to the action yeah. helping yeah. the person say to the person directly in imagination yeah. what they're saying to you in the room yeah and the shift that happens when you shape that encounter so it's not just telling about the emotion it's now sharing it directly. That yes. is when the emotion really comes alive in the room. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we're trying to do? We're trying yeah. to bring it fully alive in the room. Yes, yes. And again, shape how they do emotions. And sometimes we're the first person that they've really done mm -hmm. emotions or whoever, who's ever been there for them in this place. And so, you know, mm -hmm. coming to that process, what is it like to share this with me, to have me witness your pain, you know, what do you see on my face? Do you mm -hmm. sense acceptance? Do you, mm -hmm. you know, helping them to kind of ground in that. But sometimes, again, they may kick it back another block, you know, just like we'll encounter with couples. Oh, well, it's because I'm paying you. And so that's why. <laughs> also, even yeah. now, it's so hard to trust that yeah. I could really accept you and really be here in this place with you not tolerate, not judge you. And you know, that the only reason I'm not judging you is because you pay me, right? It's so yeah. hard to believe yes, <laughs> that I yes, can be yes. here in your humanity with you. You know, Annabelle, you had really one great question. You said, what if a client has a hard time coming to acceptance that it's over? Yeah have that come up a lot right clients who are like well I'm going to try to win them back or you know it's not really done or you know they just they were really they that's where they get stuck right mm -hmm. that, that relationship is really over and so how do we help clients work towards acceptance right and I was trying to think about that question and I was trying to think right like to 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 accept that it's over when every cell in your body is still longing for that connection, screaming for that connection, right? And since we're not fixers, since we're not trying to find a solution, and since we're just trying to be with people right where they are, right? It's kind of really helping that person out. I can't accept it. Some part of me just won't let go. I can't let you go and just tolerating and accepting that's where the person is you're saying to me Annabelle I can't let it go it's not over every cell in my body wants to hold on to you because you matter so much my my heart's broken I can't let you go yeah and just being there and seeing what emerges if you really let a person be where they are Mm -hmm. yeah and often I find there's a lot of hidden meaning also in there right mm -hmm. what is what is the meaning if that you kind of tell yourself that letting go means right yeah yes so then you're back into the elements of emotion yes because if you let if you let it go if you let him or her go or they go what will happen mm -hmm. And then we're back Sometimes to see more shame, right? That I failed in some way or this and then same process. And then be with the person in that, in that spiral of, you know, yeah. in that spiral, be with them. And so, and so if you look at it from that perspective, if it is not so different from what we've been doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's still really going into the furnace with people 
feeling the heat with them, being yeah. with them right where they are. Us tolerating, trying not, us being able to tolerate it without trying to fix it, change it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what I constantly tell my clients. It's not a grief event, right? It's a grief process, right? Yes. It takes place over yes. time. You know, yeah. so we can't really fix it. You know, mm -hmm. it's how to help them be in it and cope mm -hmm. with it in a healthy way and tolerate those emotions. Mm. And what I'm learning more and more to do because of my own personal experience, like we said, either you kind of get anxious or you kind of maybe shut off, shut out relationships completely. But if you really buy into attachment and that we're wired for connection and then what I'm really trying to do, because it's the healthy thing to actually really connect is to still prime that longing. Right. Yeah. Right. Like right now, you can't imagine ever opening up your heart and letting someone in, let someone matter to you again. That would be just too hard, right? So let someone in again to let yourself trust again. I'm so, I'm validating right now, that's too hard to imagine, but I'm still painting that picture of the possibility of one it. day and seeding it, right? Because yeah. that's the healthy thing. The healthy thing is to get back to a place where you can allow your heart to open up again and connect. But the beauty of seeding is you validate where the person is now while still painting a picture of what could be possible if they weren't deploying their current strategy yeah. or say shutting down our relationships yes. or still yeah. trying to get hold of the relationship that's over that, you know, not letting go of the relationship. Right. So you validate where they are and also paint a picture of what would be possible if they didn't hold on to the current strategy that they have whatever that strategy looks like. Yes, so beautiful. And for more information on seating, guys, go back and watch our video on seating attachment. But in, in a very quick reference, it's planting a little seed that can will water and tend to that will eventually grow and blossom into healthy, secure attachment once again, so. Yes, because that's ultimately would be, you know, what we would hope for, right? that you can yeah. grieve, let go, and still open up your heart to let, yeah. to let yeah. another seed grow in your heart, another seed mm -hmm. of love. <laughs> Absolutely. Helena, this is so beautiful, and you've said this so beautiful. So for our viewers who are watching that would like to get in touch with you, maybe they're EFT therapists that might like to attend a training or ask you some questions or maybe get mentored by you. Do you have a website? How can people find you or follow you? Yeah, so I have a website, counseling, and the number four, so counselingforcouples.co.uk. And Sandra Taylor, my co-trainer and my sister here in London, um, we're going to be running a full day's workshop in the autumn on seeding attachment. Okay. I ran a half-day workshop with the, the Chicago Center on seeding attachment, but we're going to run a full day. So, you know, if, they, if you look out on my website, you will see when it's posted. But Perfect. And they could also email you through your website, maybe if they're another EFT community that would like to invite you to do your yes, workshop. So, so my, my email is Helena, H-E-L-E-N-E. Igwe BK, the most difficult surname, I-G-W-E-B-U-I-K-E at gmail.com. And I will me. put this in the description for the video. <laughs> so if you're watching, if you're listening know, to this on hard. podcast, just rewind to get a piece of paper. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Excellent. So, well, do you know, I wanted to say, Annabelle, thank you. It was been very interesting talking to you about this because I haven't actually looked at eFit just specifically through the lens of coping with, um, you know, relationship ending. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the loss of attachment. We talk a lot about how to get into attachment and how to yeah. build attachment and strengthen yeah. it. But how do you let go of someone you yeah. don't want to let go of? I know, right? And it is all about attachment at the end of the day, which again, attachment affects our emotions and our behavior. So I call mm -hmm. it the, the golden trifecta because they're all yeah. inextricably tied. So, you know, I, I share your love for this beautiful model and just that it has this abil ability to get to the heart of the matter and really be with people where they are, unlike mm -hmm. any other model, no matter what they're going through, right? Mm -hmm. as, as I said in the beginning, there's really not a 
presenting problem that EFT cannot help with, whether you're an individual or you're a family or you're a couple. Um, it really is a, a beautiful model to find acceptance and love and really feel your humanity touched again. Oh, beautifully put. Thank you. And Helena, is there a is there a website for the British Center for EFT? Yes, beftcenter.org. B-E-F-T Center. And center as in the British way, C-E-N-T-R-E dot O. Okay. Good. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Because if they spelled yes. it the American way, they'd be mm. out of luck. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yes. So if you're watching this, um, I will make sure that I put a link to all of uh, Helena's addresses, web addresses uh, for you to find online, as well as information for ICEFT. And if you're listening via podcast, you know, you can just hit the rewind button, catch yourself a piece of note paper or take it down on your phone. Don't miss out. And as I mentioned, Helena and I also did a previous um, EFT talk about seating attachment. So if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, it is excellent. Helena is just truly amazing. And there's a video of her on YouTube as well, somewhere of her doing the EFT hand dance. <laughs> and uh, it's it's really quite beautiful. She does a beautiful interpretation of it, gives it a lot more spice and, and culture to it, which is amazing. So make sure you catch her. And um, thank you again so much, Helena, for being with us and just sharing your wisdom and your expertise in the model of EFT. Well, I was saying to you, as you know, I didn't feel I was an expert on breakups, but here you go. <laughs> this was our exploration together, Annabelle. This is yes. What, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you so much. And thank you to our viewers for continuing to watch and making EFT Talk a success. I hope that you hit subscribe because more episodes are on the way. Don't forget to buy my book, Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, Connecting with Challenging and Resistant Clients for Helping Professionals, available on Amazon or on my website, www.drbugatti.com.